So this is part two of my conversation with Alida Arden. If you haven't heard part one, click down, listen to that shit, and then come back here and listen to this. very lucky to have formed the the relationships that I have with some of the people on it. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Um and yeah, and I'm and I'd always love to I feel like also I've only been doing it a year and there, there's like a couple of Really people. when did you start? Like I started in January last year, twenty nineteen. So over a year then. yeah just over a year yeah. so like I did right at the end of January I did a like two day course that Which one was, was it? gifted to me oh god um Laughing Horse White Horse I can't Laughing remember. Horse yeah it'd have been Laughing Horse is it it's run by Jay Jay's Jay's sort of got I can't remember anyway um, oh my god I'm in a burp oh god Hello. go for it go for it go for it okay, right into the microphone now I need to like find a way of not doing it to the microphone um, <laughs> I was just gonna try and swallow it but then it's gonna come out inside um, <laughs> this is all staying in by the way brilliant good okay it's gone um, <laughs> fuck um, yeah so I did like a two day course and it was just like a kind of run in of like oh yeah, it was it was gifted to me this course. Okay. Um, what I was the re- what was the reason for it being gifted to you? Um, so my theatre company back in like somewhere between like twenty seventeen. Just, just and... TV screen, sorry. <laughs> it's fine. Just broke. I mean, do you treat the you, that's nicer than a lot of the treatment that they get from clients. So oh. you're good. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, somewhere between like twenty, I want to say like twenty seventeen and nineteen. It's very difficult to say because it was a very slow, painful process. Um, my theatre company kind of started falling apart and kind of wound down. Oh. Um, I, like I, was, I say my theatre company, but a shared theatre company with some very good friends of mine, and it kind of started basically going on the back foot, and people started peeling away, and then two of us tried to carry it on, and it was a very, very slow, quite kind of arduous process of us recognising that it was dying, but not wanting to admit that it was. So it was like keeping it on life support, basically. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Turning up and kind of reading it poetry, but like <laughs> no one was responding. <laughs> and, and and I think that that really it really shook me. Like it yeah. really 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 fucked with me because um, I. I had kind of poured a lot of my life and soul into it. I made a lot of financial sacrifices. I made a lot of emotional sacrifices, um, and it was very much a part of my identity. So during that process, it kind of wound down, and then I kind of went into like a like a kind of weird hibernation mode where I wasn't writing, I wasn't performing, I wasn't doing really anything that was creative anymore. Because in my theatre company, I I was helping create this projects yeah like design the shows but also then kind of performing in them and then kind of producing them and stuff like that because we were we were a collective there was a it was a non-hierarchical unit where we all kind of did everything and it was great um and so i suddenly left 
kind of cut loose and wandering. Mm. And um, and I did a, a few bits and pieces where like I I thought well maybe I can you know produce for other people. And I had a couple of pals who were doing things um, at the Edinburgh Fringe, so I produced a show and took it up there for them. And was it 2018? 2018. 2017, I think. Okay. Was it? I can't remember, man. Like, God. When did I do things in my life? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, maybe it was 2017 or 2018. 2018, I think. Um, and and I kind of I, I enjoyed it and I was good at it, but it was relatively there was something heartbreaking about not being on the creative side of things mm. for me. Um, and it was almost a little bit too painful to go up to the ship, to go up to Edinburgh for a few days and do the producer's role and to be, you know, working on marketing and promotional stuff and PR and um, monitoring ticket sales and then getting into the space and not being on the stage or not being able to join in as much as I wanted to on those creative conversations about pacing and dramaturgy and performance and all of these things. And so I was like, fuck, I don't think I can do this. It's too close. To where my heart really lies and too painful to not be involved in that and then it was basically for my 30th that my uh partner basically was like she needs to be back on stage she yeah. needs a nudge and um and he got me the course um and he said like and i, I admitted like I'd, I'd had the idea for a long time i'd been wanting to do like a one-woman show or something like that but i was kind of broken um, and so I couldn't I couldn't push myself to do it I didn't know where to start I didn't I was so afraid of failing because everything else had kind of gone up in flames mm. and I was just kind of like, and then he he got me the thing and I did it and I was like oh <laughs> oh this is how, this is how it should okay. this, this is the woo, like there's all these things that are coming into play and it feels suddenly right mm. um and it feels like because I never wanted to be just an actor, but I also wanted to perform. But I never wanted to just be someone that made work for other people. I wanted there to be some. I wanted to make some of those creative decisions. Mm. And, and then I, when I did the stand-up, I was like, Oh, this, this is, this is all the things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is all of the things that I could have. And and I, you know, I, I like writing and I like playing with words and stuff. And I was like, oh, also it includes that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh my God. Um. And so, and I, you know, I'd, I'd always loved stand-up, but, like, I'd never been, like, a stand-up nerd by any stretch, and I'm not still. Um, there's, I think, that I super respect people who are kind of like, what about this comedian and that comedian and this comedian's back catalogue and this? And I'm kind of like, yo, how do you know all that information? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's how I got into it, just okay. kind of through, well through that okay how did you find doing the stand-up course um i found it it was one of the things that i remember the guy saying was like because i was super worried i was like oh my god i don't know what i'm gonna do and they, they told me to bring in some ideas for jokes and i don't fucking have any and ugh, what the fuck and then um he went in and he one of the things that he said was um who can tell me what a punchline is like what a yeah, what a punchline is, and, and everyone was sort of like, I don't know, and he basically said something like, a punchline is fucking anything that gets a laugh, and I was like, wait, what? What? <laughs> like, that is crazy to me, because I thought that it was going to be like, so this is how you write a joke, yeah. set up, set up, set up, punchline, and like, here is a joke structure, and obviously that stuff exists, Yeah. 
De- definitely. But I, he kind of broke it for me and was kind of like, actually, there's a whole other way of doing it that is more gentle and a little bit, yeah. And I was like, uh. so I found it, I found it really useful. I found it, um, if nothing else, it gave me the kind of confidence to just give it a go. Yeah. And I actually, I feel like because it was a beginner's course, there's there's terms that I've heard comedians use like um, back pocket jokes and tags and act outs and stuff like that that weren't covered in any capacity in that course. It was like, it was nothing like that at all. And I've heard those things since starting and doing it and basically hearing other people and then being like, oh my God, what the fuck is a tag? And then going, have you Googling it? Looking at <laughs> being like, what is a tag in comedy? And then being like, oh, it's one of those. Um, and and yeah, like those things. If anyone listens to the tag, it's basically when someone says a word and then you, and then a comedian, the next comedian comes on and says something about what has been said before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or they tag their own joke or like yeah. whatever, yeah. And, um, yeah, I yeah, I, like so it was really useful and I think that um I might have had a slight advantage in that like I already had a performing background. Yeah. I already was quite comfortable in terms of like getting in front of people and maybe waffling out of my ass for however long they wanted me to waffle. Um but but yeah, um I I I, I wonder I do wonder if perhaps I'd maybe done it on my own, what if I might have been different. Mm. But I don't think I would have done it on my own. Yeah, I did a course as well. Yeah. So for me, a bit like you, it was just a me. I mean, it was helpful, I guess, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the writing and stuff. And thank you to Kate Smurfway for running the course. Um, but at the same time, it was just something to give me the catalyst to get up on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think without that catalyst, I don't think I would have done it. Yes, yeah. Because I wouldn't have known that open mic nights really existed. Well, this is it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I had no idea, really, where... Like, I wouldn't even know where to begin to be... Like, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So, like, I feel like at least doing a course shines a light on the stuff that you don't know so that then, in the aftermath, you can go off and find out about it, I guess, a little bit. I was a bit of a nerd, so I didn't want to bomb at the showcase. So, like, the second week in, I decided that weekend that I was going to take myself off to an open mic before. <gasps> I was like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. That's so hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Did you do well? There was, like, no audience. It was too... It was, it was, it was like an open mic fan. It was... <laughs> <laughs> but it was myself, Ben Kavanaugh, uh, Nick Adam, and Nick Adamson. Okay. So, lit in, on a... Tuesday on a no, on a Sunday afternoon in Hammersmith. <laughs> oh my god! But then, but then, <clears throat> did it help you do well in your showcase? Well, yeah, because yeah, of course it did. Because I've gigged there every week at least twice, at least once a week. Honest, because they used to do two shows at that venue. Right. Uh, an afternoon show and day and an evening show. So I used to gig usually twice a twice a day. Well, twice a day on a Sunday. Then I take myself out to other open mic nights during during the week as well sometimes. That's amazing. And then at the showcase, because I told Kate that I'd already done about 10 gigs. Yeah. I opened the showcase. Oh, what a lad. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I mean, fucking, I, 
fucking that, that like but that's initiative in it isn't it and like yeah. as i said like i love that you were like oh i was super nerd about it but like is that nerdy because that's that to me just sounds like like passion it was it? like i didn't it was more like nerves than anything yeah like, well, I, yeah 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 and yeah, I didn't want to dial my ass my, well, well, in front of like 30 odd people. I'd rather uh, dial my ass in front of nobody first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, God. Speaking of which, what's been your best and your worst gigs? You don't need to mention names of the worst one. Oh, like... um, um. I mean, it's funny because like the best ones have always been, the best ones are the ones where like you go on everybody fucking laughs consistently all the yeah. way through and then you come up and you're like I am Jesus yeah um, <laughs> or whatever you know um but broadly speaking I would say the ones that I've started to really enjoy have been the ones where I'll get up and I will kind of and this is I still I I did one a couple of weeks ago where, maybe a few weeks ago, where I was like, I stewed all fucking day and I was kind of like, oh, I've got this gig coming up, I can't be asked. I kind of want to call, like, I want, I want to bail. I don't really, like, I'm not really feeling, I'm not vibing any of the material that I do have. I'm not really vibing doing a whole new thing. I don't, oh, I don't know what to do. And I kind of went to the gig in a really bad mood. And good start. <laughs> good start. Good start. And I kind of got there, and I'd done. I tested out some new material like months ago, like sometime last year. I'd uttered the words once into a room, and then just never done it again. Not because it didn't get a good reception, but just because I was just a little bit like, I'm not sure I vibe that idea at all. Yeah. And then I got to this gig, and um, and I was like, oh, I don't know what to do, and about. Maybe a minute before I went on, I kind of decided, do that. Do that other stuff. And I went on and I kind of hadn't prepared anything. I kind of was half remembering <laughs> what I'd done the last time whilst also ad-libbing in the moment. And it went quite well in terms yeah. of like it had consistent laughs and there was a certain degree of like even the stuff that wasn't working I was able to kind of be lucid enough in the moment to kind of be like oh I kind of know why this isn't working yeah and I got off and I was like that felt like a genuine progression yeah from what I'd been doing previously where I'd maybe like effectively script something learn it and then go and deliver it and there was a kind of me on a stage and an audience listening and perhaps not as much of a kind of genuine conversation happening between us as I might have liked in that moment. And it felt different. It felt like I was kind of going on and being like, oh, I'm listening to the room and I'm actually responding to it and kind of melding and adapting my material mm. <laughs> in a more organic way rather than like, here are some pre-scripted lines that I will <laughs> just say at you and hope that you laugh at what I think might be punchlines. <laughs> <laughs> and that felt like a really good gig. Yeah. Like a really, really good gig because it felt like, oh my God, I might have just like, comedian world, I might have just like leveled up a little bit, you know? Okay. Um, like on, from a, like on an arty level. How was it? What? And then, as far as bad ones go, um, it's usually ones, the worst ones, the worst ones are always the ones where I go and I'm like, right, well, if this kind of, like, I'm just, I'm just going to do the material that I know works. I'm yeah. going to do material that I know works. And then I get up there and it doesn't fucking work. <laughs> and I'm just like, why? Why? <laughs> like, 
like this this killed like a week yeah. ago i had people like slapping their thighs and like like why what and it, those are the most frustrating ones yeah or they're and it I, I, yeah and that to me is again it's less about necessarily other mitigating factors about like oh it was because the room was this way or because the crowd was this way or the mc didn't do a good job or any mm. of it's none of those things i think that that happens because i'm still learning and i'm just not good enough yet to kind mm. of ease into it and as i was saying just before having like a more lucid like real connection with the audience yeah i think genuinely that's why that happens and i get so frustrated when I, you know what i mean right yeah you know what i mean yes. where, you, where you do a gig and you're like all right let's bring out the gold yeah <laughs> fucking bombs but then i also feel like okay if i am bombing with stuff i know has worked in a lot of other places yeah it's just okay okay i know these jokes work yeah and i know they work and i'm gonna get through them anyway yeah but tonight they just weren't on board that's like yeah and i think the more we do it the more we become not okay with bombing but like we find ways to just just accept that it's happening yeah yeah i think and also kind of be able to have enough like self-awareness about the process to know like why it happens yeah because like I, like actually a couple of weeks ago not too long after the lovely gig that i just talked about yeah. I, I was doing a thing and i was running a little bit late and and i got there and i was like <laughs> and i kind of and it was a 10 minute spot and i was like okay cool i'm gonna go do it and then and i walked into the room and like i rehearsed like i kind yeah. of knew what 10 minutes i was gonna do yeah <clears throat> and I, I really, really, really struggle to have like two lines here that are a joke, three lines there that are that that are one joke. I talk about one thing for five minutes, for seven minutes, for ten minutes. That's generally the way. Like I'm just not good enough to do the other version. I don't know. Maybe I'll learn one day. Who knows? Um, but I got there and I was like, I'm gonna do this thing. I've that's this is what I've got in my mind. I got there, and I walked into the room, and within seconds, I was like, not a single person in this room is going to relate. To the material that I'm about to do, mm. and I have not got time to change it. I haven't got time to switch it up. What was it about the people in the? What was it about the people in the room? The material was about being like my thoughts on kind of being 30 plus. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard me do that stuff yet. I don't know. Um, but like, yeah, I it was it was basically about being 30 plus and kind of my thoughts on that and the kind of. I was basically just sitting there philosophizing about <laughs> about that and kind of trying to, trying to be funny about it and talking about kind of partying and how that's gone and blah, blah, blah. And almost every single person in that room was well over 30. Okay. So there were two clubs <coughs> on from 30 to find any of it interesting or funny. Yeah. It was no longer relatable to them. And, I, and like, I knew that. I knew that that's what was going to happen. And I was just like, all right, well, here we go. I'm yeah. get ready for the suck fest, lads. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and I just, I had to, I had to do it because I, yeah. I could have, I could have tried to riff on. I mean, I didn't have to do it. I could have, if I was more experienced, if I was, if I had more material, I could have gone on and switched it up and done mm. something else. But I'm not, and I haven't. So I got up, and I, about sort of a few minutes in, I acknowledged the audience. I, I said to the audience, "Well, you guys are not relating to this at all." Are you? <laughs> and that kind of slightly won them over. Yes. Yeah. Um, but even that, even that moment of getting up there and basically kind of mostly sucking and getting like 
mild titters mm. throughout the course of that 10 minutes even that didn't hurt as much as it would have done maybe like six months ago yeah because i could i knew exactly why it was happening you know like i was able to kind of be like i know why this is happening it's cool you know this it's no longer a mystery mm. you have something that you can take home and work on now you know that you need to write more material. You need to, you know, that you need to be better at kind of changing stuff up and being more flexible with yeah. what you could. And these are all things that I can work on. Whereas when you have ones where you're like, there is no answer, there is no reason, I can't possibly figure it out. Yeah. I want to kill something. Like I just want to. Anyway. <laughs> Um, but maybe that's just me. I no, I think it also kind of harkens back to what I just, I just said. Harkens. Harkens <laughs> back. I've, I've never said that. Harkens to Harkens Law. I've never <laughs> said Harkens back before. Like, lips. I don't think I've ever said it until now. But yeah, it harkens back to what we were talking about about not about not necessarily needing to be liked by everyone. Mm-hmm. And comedy is so subjective. Of course, no audience. Of course, not every audience is gonna like you or yeah. your jokes or your material. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's taken a while for me to realize, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, and I, um, I am a little bit of a people pleaser in real yeah. life. Like, but again, part of it is that I've already talked about it. it, it it's a really vivid dichotomy between both wanting to be included mm. and loved and involved whilst simultaneously also being like, fuck you, I don't need you. Do you think that comes from moving around so much? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's 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 sort of like you want to fit in, but you never can, and so you don't want to fit in. Mm. It's, do you know what I mean? Um, and, and so, yeah, like for me, one of the real things about doing comedy was like being able to realize that eventually I'm going to get to a point where like, yeah, you re- you accept that, that like yeah. there will be some people who do not want to hear about, um, you know, the, the beauty industry, for example, they don't <laughs> yeah. care about it. Like yeah. it doesn't matter to them and they don't like me doing stupid voices and gesticulating and they want to hear a guy get up there and be super still and very kind of enigmatic and pragmatic and kind of be like, so this is what I think about shoes. Yeah. So, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they, they, and that's okay. And I feel like I'm getting closer and closer and closer to kind of accepting that. Yeah. Every now and then, like the human Obviously. in me comes out. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, like, why don't they like this? Yeah, why? Um, and it's funny, I'm sure you listen to the comedians comedian comedian podcast yeah 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 i mean i mean, I mean i've heard of it uh, yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah like <laughs> i i listen to like a few of them and the one thing that i think a lot of the comedians say is like when they were able to finally reach that point where they were like stop caring what other people think and just do what you want to do yeah that was when they started to really notice differences in kind of their art form I mean, getting better I can't better. believe I'm doing this but we're going to advertise it we're going to advertise this on another on this podcast as well um, if you haven't listened to Ishan Akbar's interview with Stuart Goldsmith on the Comedians Community Podcast it's it's um, it's a must listen yeah because he talks about writing the Edinburgh well, writing a show for Edinburgh yeah specifically for Edinburgh audiences and not a show which he can just tour yeah it's and that's completely true. I was having a conversation like um, a few months ago with a comedian who um, Harun Mashad, who we basically said people spend more time on their Edinburgh hour than yeah. they do on their twenty minute club set. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is more important, the Edinburgh Hour, which may or may not get, which may or may not get you a couple of good reviews. Yeah. Or the club set, which you're going to take to, which you're going to take around the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People spend more time on that one. People spend more time developing the hour than the thing that's actually that's going to potentially so get them somewhere. Interesting. That's so because I'd never even thought about it in that way. Because, I mean, for me, my natural inclination would absolutely to be working on that hour because I come from a theatre background. So yeah. for me, that complete one-hour story, and it would be a story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you won that Edinburgh Award, baby. That's right. <laughs> go, for, go for the Edinburgh Newcomer Award. Well, uh, oh, God. <laughs> All my things just clenched up. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I think that it... That would be my inclination, and yet I think that there is a there is a world where club comedy mm. is still king. Yeah. And is the bread and butter for a lot of people. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, there's there's I think that in the year that I took I helped I helped my friends took that take that show to Edinburgh. I think there was like three thousand shows there, mm-hmm. like three thousand theatre comedy whatever shows 3,000 too many too many way too many it's a beast that it's eat, that's eating its own head basically oh, yeah. um, and I feel like it's lovely to spend all that time and effort and energy crafting something for Edinburgh but ultimately yeah like what happens outside of that world I've, I, I don't know I, I've I've, get, I've not given too much thought to the club circuit much because it's I think still very very scary concept for me yeah um yeah, club comedy. My advice, get on Mirth Control. Well, Mirth Control? Mirth Control. Okay. Email Mirth Control, because what you'll get the experience of doing is I'll send you to places, they'll send you, uh, you'll be an open spot on yeah. a semi-pro on a semi-pro night. Yeah, okay, okay. That's probably worth doing, because I yeah. also feel like I've built up comedy clubs and kind of the... the the club circuit to be like quite a scary thing in my head. I don't know why. It's just exists. I think it's because it's sort of like you graduate from open mic into. Do you go to do you go to a lot of comedy clubs? I mean, I do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like non open mic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, as a punter, I go. Um, I mean, not a lot, not hugely often, but like I do go occasionally, um, and I enjoy it. But for some reason, in my head, it's still like a slightly scary thing. I don't know why. I don't know what the psychology is behind that. Um, and I dread to figure out why. But um, but yeah, it, it's probably something that like, I should just face my fears. Is it like, I'm just guessing, is it because you know that these people are paid to see the comedians? Yeah, I'm sure that there's an element of that where they're yeah. kind of like, all right, entertain us. Yeah. And like suddenly it becomes a job. Yeah. Suddenly it becomes like, oh, I have, I actually kind of have a contract to fulfil. I actually have to do well here. Yeah. It's not just a case of messing around and seeing what what does well and what doesn't. It's about no, you kind of like there's a, there's a requirement. Yeah. Um, and I think also it does slightly tie back into this kind of like thing of like, will people like me? Ooh. Yeah. Because like I imagine that if you bomb at a open spot on a club night then it might be difficult to get back in (laughs) and so there's a degree of like do you give it a whirl before you're ready before you feel ready i don't know Mm. um yeah it's a weird it's a weird one Mm. 
that being said, I've had an open spot on like a semi-pro night and I, it was thoroughly average for me. Yeah. I did a thoroughly average job. Was that the South West London one? Yeah. Yeah. And and actually it wasn't as scary as I thought it was yeah. and I learned a lot exactly. from doing it. So I should probably go back there and do it again. Not yeah. there specifically, but you know what I mean? Like go back to that concept and revisit it. That's it. Right, so Black Books. Yes, Black Books. Okay. Right. Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna be completely honest. Haven't actually watched an episode of Black Books yet. <gasps> I know, right? I know. So I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna be asking you a lot of questions about it. And yeah, that bit's gonna be kept in the recording because I don't mind coming across as a bit of an idiot and a novice. Okay. <laughs> so, um, why is it an important sitcom for you to talk about? Okay. So, mm, I think that for me. Okay, A, I love 90s sitcoms. Good. Like, 90s sitcoms for me are, like, mm, delicious. Like, I know, that, <laughs> like, I know that, like, a lot of people hate on Friends. I know that a lot of people, like, blah, blah, But, like, I think that there's something really, really beautiful about the beginnings of 90s sitcoms and kind of how they built the... They built the foundations for a lot of the kind of sitcoms that have come since then. Because mm. also, like, I would argue that a lot of the stuff that occurs in TV nowadays isn't, strictly speaking, sitcoms. Like... I love Parks and Rec, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I love all of these things, but anyway, 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 rewind, 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 black books. Um, me, <laughs> um, 90s sitcoms, to me, black books like is like the perfect representation of a 90s sitcom, in okay. that like, um, it feels like the 90s when you watch it, and I'm a child of the 90s, so like... So am I. Yeah, I grew up in the 90s, big up, yay, that's Club 7. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but also... Yeah, so you watch it and, like, everything about it from, like, the fashions, from the choice of kind of, like, even just, like, the three-point lighting that they use, which is a really, like, 90s way of doing things. That's such a theatre person's way of describing <laughs> things. Sorry, that is... Um, but... Most people are just talking about the acting and the jokes. The, the lighting, darling, the lighting. Um, but there's something about, like, it's... It's, it's a combination of, like weird writing very very gaggy writing which is very 90s like yeah. that very kind of set up set up punchline that Seinfeld started that Friends continued and everything else yeah um and then <laughs> and then also like visual gags like mm. there's a lot of physical stuff that happens in black books and there's a lot of like visual comedy like there's a there's a whole thing where like um there's a bit where like um, Bernard is disgusting and doesn't clean, and Manny is trying to get him to kind of clean the flat, and like there's all these things where like he keeps finding like toast glued to the ceiling, and he's like, <laughs> how does this get here? And it turns out that like when Bernard doesn't like the food that Manny gives him, he just throws it <laughs> and it just sticks on the ceiling. And it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense and bollocks. But it kind of ties in these three elements of like really weird witty kind of writing that's um like odd and kind of surreal um mixed with kind of very punchy setup setup like gag but then also like the visual physical stuff mm. as well and so for me it's sort of like faulty towers faulty yeah faulty towers yeah. meets friends meets maybe Frasier I don't I don't know okay. it's like a yeah like and I love it I love 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 it and I think that there's a lovely kind of dynamic between the three characters as well which is kind of they're all insane in their own ways mm -hmm. but they all think that they're not it, it, it's lovely okay yeah um 
if you could bring it back or remake it, how would you do it? How would I do it? I could bring it back or remake it. Um, I think um, it's so funny because it's set in a bookshop, right? Yeah, and it's the title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and kind of the joke at the time, I think, is also that, like, books are kind of on their way out in the 90s. Like, that that movement is already occurring. Like, people are kind of, like, mm. moving on from books. There's, there's actually one episode which might be one of my favourites, which is, like, they're trying to compete with, like, a high street kind of chain book retailer. And so they're doing things like bringing in lattes and selling the <laughs> lattes, and they try and set up a restaurant in the... And, like, it's all nonsense. And I guess I'm trying to think of how that would translate to now, because... We're even further beyond. I don't know. I feel like how I, maybe I wouldn't change anything. Maybe I'd change some of the kind of more socially uh, jokes because, like, there's a whole bit where um, there's an episode where Fran goes on a date and um, the whole time she's basically beginning to be aware that the guy that she's on a date with is gay and he's not aware that he's gay. Okay. And that is built around quite a lot of kind of cliché stereotypes of what a gay man is and does and that says is... and feels. Why am I picturing James Dreyfus playing that gay, the gay guy? Oh my God. I, like, I... <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out who that is and like visually. And... Who James Dreyfus is? Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, the name is, I'm just going to quickly James. Oh my god, is that James Dreyfus? So it's yeah, okay. D R E Y F U S S. No, it's not. Maybe no, it's not him. It's not him. Because he was the gay, he was the gay punchline of the nineties. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he yeah, was yeah. in Gimme Gimme Gimme. He was in um, the Thin, Blue, Thin Line. Blue Line. He was also in. He took over from Adler Hannon in uh, My Hero from yeah. one season, which was terrible. But like, yeah. <laughs> um. No, it wasn't him. It was I. I don't know who the actor was that played it, but like the 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 joke was slightly outdated. You watch yeah. it and you're kind of like ah. In the same way that when you watch some stuff in the nineties, you're kind of like woof. Come on, friends. Like that's. But at the at the time, yeah. it was actually um, okay. Um, and so maybe I'd update some of the stuff to include that and kind of make it a bit more broad and more. I guess PC uh, yeah. or whatever, um, and I guess I would. What else can I change about it? I don't know. Um, what have people said before? What do people? What do people well, say? A lot of people say they wouldn't remake. They wouldn't remake the thing. Right. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Like, I would not bring it back if I had the choice. Okay. I would. I. I just. But then, I would, but then, that, whenever that's their first response, I was like, you don't have a choice. You've been given this. <laughs> okay. Fine. Fine. Okay. In which case, then I'm happy with what I said. I would maybe just update it a little bit and kind okay. of. I'd have everybody doing the same things. I'd have Dylan Moran being Bernard. I'd have Tamsin Green being Fran. I'd have um, what's his face. Oh my god. I'd have what's his face playing Manny, and I know the name, but I can't remember the name now. So would they be like, or they'd be the same characters, but older versions of themselves, older versions of themselves. So it'd be like a bit of a reunion episode. Yeah, yeah, maybe like a one-off or something like that. Although actually, that does make me cringe and die inside. Because <laughs> 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 um, I think that like reunion stuff is and I'm also like very very we're, we live in an age where like sequels prequels and remakes are constant and I yeah. hate them I fucking hate them 
I like I feel very very violently passionate about how much I hate most of the sequels, prequels, and remakes. Um, and I'm over them, and I think that it's boring and unimaginative and lazy. Did you not like the Gavin and Stacey? I, don't watch, I have never watched Kevin and Stacey oh, fair enough, in yes. my life. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. I um, mean, that's, yeah, of so. course you haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's yeah. brilliant. There you I go. I should watch it. I really should. There's a, yeah, there's a few people that have said, like, you should watch it, so I should. Um, but, yeah, so I think that in that, respond, in that respect, I probably wouldn't want to do anything with it. But if I had to, if it was demanded of me <laughs> that I had to, then, yeah, I might just update things. I mean, I, it would be interesting to maybe try and emulate the, the vibe of it, but then, like, change the people playing it, mm-hmm. you know? Or have them playing different well have the same character but have each actor playing a different character playing a different yeah yeah um and actually like it's because there's a lot of jokes in there about i mean i'm explaining it to you because obviously you've you've not seen it but i so i apologize if anyone's listening and they're kind of like stop fucking explaining it um (laughs) but (laughs) but like the idea is that bernard black is basically like a borderline alcoholic with possibly quite kind of he has issues with how he relates to people like mm. he's like in this modern day and age he would be labeled um like as mentally unwell um in, um and and i wonder how much of that like there's a lot of jokes about the fact that he there's there's one gag where it's a really really hot day and um He's like, get me my, get me my ice lolly to, to Manny, who was basically like his sort of lapdog assistant, <laughs> and um and 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 Manny gives him like this bottle of wine that's <laughs> frozen, <laughs> and then Bernard smashes it against the wall to crack off the glass <laughs> and just starts licking <laughs> like th- this rosé, this frozen rosé, <laughs> and like. It's so funny, and there's something. It's very like Whitney and I. Does it have a laugh track behind it, or does it? Yeah, there's a okay. laugh track, which so is. It's, so it's a full, it's a very BBC. Yeah, yeah, it's Channel Four, I think, that did oh. it. But but effectively, it's that again, it's that '90s way of doing things, which is yeah. like there's a laugh track, and I mean maybe there was a studio audience, but I don't think there was. Mm. Um. And, and yeah, I wonder if some of those concepts would work today. Because I'm not sure that, I, I don't know, I, well, I think that they'd be written about differently. I think that writing has changed now in sitcoms to kind of be more sensitive and kind of be more progressive. I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Not that I'm saying that it wasn't funny at all, because obviously it's one of my favourite fucking sitcoms. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, anyway. All right, okay. So... We, I think that's, that's, that's it. it. That's yeah. it. Okay. That's it. So where can people find you, Elida? Oh God, they can find me um, on all the socials, the Twitter and the Facebook and the Instagram. Um, my Facebook output is terrible because it's mostly just me being like, can someone accompany me to the movies? <laughs> um, and then occasionally writing heartfelt, very sincere political posts. So Which I do like to be, but to be fair. <laughs> um, the, and then the other ones are just my name um, on Facebook. Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter, um, and I do actually have a 
website, which is embarrassing um, because I don't use it for anything. Yeah. But I occasionally write blog posts nice. on there because I like to write. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. That, was, that was lovely. Thanks Thank so you much. very much. Woo! <laughs> <laughs>